0: all right and we're live hey guys welcome to the first official episode of taking inspirations mixed martial arts show um i don't know if i technically have a name for what this show is really it's gonna be probably a weekly uh podcast where i talk about everything going on in mixed martial arts whether it's a recap of the fight card that happened last weekend or a preview of the fight cards coming up this weekend it's basically take It's basically Taking Inspiration's um, weekly MMA show. So Taking Inspiration, again, is uh, everything that I take inspiration from. So things that I'm interested in, whether that's technology, mixed martial arts, movies, TV shows, everything like that. And um, this particular episode is going to touch on mixed martial arts. So if you're not a big fan of MMA, this might not be the best episode of Taking Inspiration for you. Um, And if you are, then great. I hope you can uh, listen along with me. And if I say anything too uh, wrong or outrageous, uh, go ahead and let me know. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this episode because... Man, do we have a ton to talk about. This last weekend was um, crazy and full of news. The week coming up, this fight card. I mean, we have fight cards on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I mean, how about that? That's wild. Um, I can't remember the last time that I um, had a weekend that full of MMA. I mean, normally it's just my Saturday nights, but um, it's a great week for a mixed martial arts fan. And I hope you guys are excited about it, too. But um, before we get to the fight cards coming up this weekend, I want to backtrack and touch on UFC 234. So, um. Yeah, so the biggest news coming out of the UFC 234 was um, the bout that was supposed to be for the middleweight championship. Robert Bobby Knuckles Whitaker was going to defend his belt against Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, I was really excited for this fight. I thought it... obviously it was going to be super exciting. Gastelum has been surging in the welterweight division, excuse me, in the uh, middleweight division. Obviously uh, he had fault at welterweight, but now he's a middleweight um, due to the, you know, weight cutting and all that kind of thing. And I mean, he looks great. He looks great at middleweight. Um, It seems to be a good weight class for him. And yeah, I mean, he's gone through a lot of the top guys and, uh, you know, earned his title shot and, uh, yeah, this was this was his this was his shot at the belt. Uh, Whitaker was, um, you know, hopefully gonna show us what a healthy version of him looks like. His last two fights uh, against uh, Yoel Romero. Um, were, I guess he got injured in the first round of both, um, and he still pulled out Ws. So, um, I mean, how scary does a healthy Robert Whitaker looks, look? I mean, we haven't seen a healthy Robert Whitaker fight in quite some time, so this could have been our moment. Plus, we were in Australia. We were, you know, this this fight card was tailor-made for Robert Whitaker. Uh, his fans were there, and um, I think it sold out. The actual, like, in-person tickets, they sold out in... Something like fourteen minutes. So you know, obviously he's a he's a big name, uh, not only obviously here, but especially in Australia. And um, yeah, people were excited for him uh, to fight Kelvin, and so was I. But um, yeah, I guess it was Saturday. Um, I remember seeing the notification. It was Saturday midday. I don't know what time that was in Australia. So was it late, late Sunday night? So it was. I guess it was Sunday five a.m. something, something like that. Uh, I know Australia is ahead of us here in the U.S., but. Yeah, so he he woke up. uh, I guess he had pain. Whitaker woke up and he had pain. He was uh, he had to do emergency surgery for a collapsed bow and internal hernia. Yeah, mm, that does not sound fun, Uh, and that sucks. I mean, he is uh, he's been rather injury prone the last couple. Over the last year or two, and it, it's it stinks because Robert is a beast, you know, Whitaker, you know, Bobby Knuckles. He is so talented and rightfully earned his spot as the champ of the middleweight division. Um, and that's why this news was so tough, really, because um you know, this was his chance to, you know, basically put his foot down back at the head of the division, you know, declare his dominance and say, you know what, guys, I'm still here. Um, yeah. So, you know, he the, so the fight card got that, that bout got scrapped. They had to move Anderson versus uh, Stylebender up to the main event. And that is... That's where we that's where we left the Saturday for the fight card. Um, I I felt I mean, I feel bad for Whitaker. I know he posted a message on social media, you know, saying how he was sorry and that um, he's hoping to get back in there soon. And really, there's nothing to be sorry for. Honestly, I mean, it sounded like something that was completely outside of his control. Um, Just just it was just a disappointing thing for him. For Kelvin, uh, I know Kelvin, I mean, this was a really exciting shot for him to take the belt. I know they both went through that tough season together and, um, you know, Kelvin had to be patient and wait for the shot. And this was it. He, you know, flew to Australia to, you know, you know, um, take his take his shot at the belt and um, he didn't get the chance to do so. So I feel for Kelvin, too. Um yeah yeah so it was crazy i mean it was a crazy it was a crazy day all around um overall just disappointed and i you know you know even though Stylebender did win um i still do want to see whitaker guest alum whether it's the next fight for whitaker or sometime in the near future i mean really it's a fight that has to happen um I really do think I really do think that that is a fight that the division needs, especially to you know continue to declare Whitaker as the king, or or Gastelum could you know take over the division and make it his. I mean, he did knock out the previous previous champ, Mike Bisping. Um, so yeah, who knows? Um, really, there's not a ton more to say on that, other than the fact. I mean, it was uh, disappointing for. It was just a disappointing. Um, Disappointing news. But anyway, we had a otherwise um, pretty, pretty good flight card. Honestly, uh, I will say that the card was um, I know one reporter was talking to Dana White and he in the pre fight press conference and said something to the effect of that. The card was top heavy. And I know Dana had, um, you know, given him a hard time and. And whatever it be. But I mean, the card was a bit top heavy. I know we had a lot, you know, some really talented fighters on the card. So I don't mean to critique them and their notoriety in any way. But, um, as a pay-per-view, I don't know, uh, if this, um, was, you know, the fully justified for the $70, um, for the pay-per-view. I think it would have been a really good fight night, um, on ESPN or something like that. But anyway, I mean, it was still a pay-per-view given the circumstances, and um, I don't think we can blame the fighters of the UFC for what the card became because a lot of this stuff was outside of their control. Anyway, so let's get into the results of the card. So I'm going to start on the main card. Uh, I'm going to break down the fights, um, the, the five fights that were on that main card. So the card opened up with uh, Jimmy Croot versus Sam Alvey. So Jimmy Coot, you know, young kid um, from Australia, you know, hoping to surge in the lightweight division, um, and yeah, yeah. So he was, uh, you know, hoping to come in there and, and uh, get the knockout. And, you know, he's a very, he's a very exciting, uh, very exciting young fighter and a lot of potential with him. And a win over Sam Alvey would have been his, um, you know, basically. Uh, his way to say, hey guys, listen, I'm here in the lightweight division and um, I'm here to, you know, show, you know, show that I'm a force to be reckoned with and, and that I, um, yeah, basically show he's here. But um, what we had was a controversial, some say early stoppage within the first round. I don't know if it was necessary. I mean, It's tough, right? Because um, you want to look out for the fighter's safety, but obviously Sam Alvey was super upset with the uh, the the TKO um, early stoppage in round one. Um, When uh, so basically Jimmy Crute had um, you know taken Sam Alvey to the ground, he was doing some pretty vicious ground and pound but sam alvey was covering up i mean he was protecting his head he gave a thumbs up to the the ref mark goddard basically said hey man you know i'm still in this i i'm protecting myself and he was technically protecting himself i mean he was covering up his head and um yeah but i guess mark goddard the refs saw otherwise i guess he saw sam alvey um you know basically in trouble and felt as though the fight needed to be stopped um Either way, we we can't take anything away from the fact that Jimmy Crute came out the gate super hot and um, looking dominant. I mean, I mean, he was he was throwing hard hard punches. And uh, he was looking to finish Sam Alvey out the gate. Um, and I thought it was kind of interesting to see two fighters like Jimmy Crute and Sam Alvey going into it. Because, you know, Sam Alvey is probably one of the most likable fighters there there is along with Wonderboy. Um, he's always smiling uh, and he's, you know, always nice to his opponents and things like that. And so I remember seeing in UFC Embedded, Jimmy Crute was even like, um, you know, it's hard to fight a guy like Sam Alvey because, hell, like I want to... Um, I almost want to root for him myself, but yeah, I don't, I, uh, I think that was, that was, um, kind of hilarious because, you know, I mean, it just goes to show Sam Alvey, such a likable guy, but yeah. So Jimmy croup got the TKO win in round one. And, um, yeah, yeah. Sam Alvey was super upset. Um, he got in Mark Goddard's face and, you know, was screaming at him saying, you know, you did this to me again, I guess. in um, you know, a, a previous st- a previous fight with Sam Alvey, Mark Goddard had stopped it, um, in Alvey's opinion, prematurely. Um, so I guess they had already had, I guess you'd call it a beef for a history in terms of these early stoppages in the past. So, I mean, if this happened again, I mean, Albie was really upset and if I'm going to be honest, I think it was a bit of an early stoppage. I think Albie was covering up. He was protecting himself. Was he in trouble? Yeah. I mean, I think he was in somewhat of trouble, but I don't think trouble enough to f- stop the fight. Um, crew was really landing on him, but Yeah, I mean, we don't know. Um, I mean, if the fight would have went on, would Crude have just continued to lay on the heavy pressure and finished Alvy another way? And then the ref just protected him from damage he could have took, you know, more into the fight, uh, we really don't know. But the the two things that we can take out of it is Alvi is a proven vet um, coming into that fight, win or lost. I mean, it doesn't take anything away from his shine. And Kroot basically showed, you know, hey, I'm a force in this uh, light heavyweight division, and um, he was there to make a statement. And he did really, I mean, he accomplished his mission, he got the win. The next fight on the uh, on the pay-per-view was Montana De La Rosa versus Nadia Kasim or Kasim. Um, sorry if I'm misrepresenting your name. But um, yeah, that was this was an interesting fight because um, De La Rosa had submitted Ostevich on the uh, tough 27 finale. And obviously, as you know, Ostevich just fought Paige Van Zant. Uh, last month um so i mean over went over ostovich uh, i think it was a submission I, I mean that's that's an impressive win and um you know coming into this fight Kasim hadn't fought since november 2017 where she beat alex chambers on a fight card with verdum and tabura so yeah that's a throwback uh, i think i remember that card so that was i don't know over a little over a year ago um but, yeah, I, I, I believe she was out for, for that amount of time, a little over a year due to injury. Um, I can't say for sure. I think I might have remembered her saying something about that in the UFC Embedded. Uh, but speaking of that, I mean, the UFC did Embedded did show Kasim quite a few times. And, um, you know, her preparation for the fight and them showing um, De La Rosa in UFC Embedded kind of got me invested in the fight and excited about it. Um, but in the end, De La Rosa looked dominant the entire way through what fight there was. Um, you know, I think she came out the first round strong and, um, you know, didn't give Cassim much room to, uh, you know, really show her strengths. And um Yeah, so basically the fight ended with, um, I think, a submission by De La Rosa in the second round. Um, Let me just make sure I got that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep, so a submission by De La Rosa in the second round. Um, It was a pretty dominant win for De La Rosa. And um, yeah, I mean, in the landscape of the women's flyweight division, there is not a ton of, um, I guess, top contenders, will you say? so? Yeah. So, I mean, this fight was relatively important in the flyweight division because, um, you know, it was a fight to show who some of the top contenders, maybe even the top five fighters in this division are. And, um, yeah so there we have it i mean de la rosa is and not playing any games and um yeah she's she's definitely a threat in this this new women's flyweight division what's next for her i know there was talk about her fighting Paige van zandt and you know what i think that's a great idea um she fought ostovich ostovich fought van zandt and she beat ostovich so um yeah, I think I think this that's a great matchup for her, especially in the flyweight division. Who else would De La Rosa fight next? And uh, I don't know if she's ready to get thrown um, to the champ yet. Uh, um, but um, I think a, a win over Paige Van Zandt or just, you know, a fight with her would get her up there in the talks for for a um for a possible fight with Shevchenko down the road. Uh, but like I said, n- not Shevchenko yet. Yes, yet. I don't think that's the way to go. I think that, uh, you know, a couple more fights in the flyweight division before we get there. But Paige Van Zandt next. I mean, yeah, I think that would be a great fight at flyweight. So next, uh, Ronnie Yaya versus Ricky Simone. Um Honestly, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's a vet. He's a submission specialist and I think they had some sort of stat on the pay-per-view. It was he's got the second most finishes in bantamweight history. He's right behind Dillashaw. So, yeah, this guy, uh, you know, black belts, I'm uh, amazing on the ground. You know, if he takes you to the ground, it's kind of like um Yeah, so I mean, it, he's super dominant. Uh, he's super dominant and um yeah, so basically the fight was Yaya trying to take Simone down and Simone trying to stop that, stop stop it. And um, Simone did a great job. I mean, he, 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 you know, stopped the takedown for 15 minutes straight and throughout stopping those takedowns, he was able to, um, you know, uh, deliver a dominant win. And I know Simone was pretty hard on, hard on himself after the fight, but um I will admit the fight wasn't super action packed. Um, Yaya is similar to Damian Maya in that, you know, if um, he doesn't get the takedown, um, the fight. You know, plays out in uh, sometimes not super exciting ways, but I mean, it, he's a specialist. Uh, Yaya is a spe- specialist at ground game, and obviously, that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to take him down, um, but Simone wasn't having it. I mean, he prepared, you know, really well for you know this fight. He, I mean, he stuffed the to takedowns pretty much every single time, and he got the W. and um yeah, I think that's an exciting win for Ricky Simone, uh, especially in the bantamweight division because a uh, win over Yaya is a pretty big deal. Uh, it cracks it cracks Simone into, I think Yaya yeah, was the ranked 15th. I don't know. I, I think that this will probably definitely put him, Simone in the top 15 and... Um, yeah, I mean, it's a big win. It's probably the biggest win of Simone's career. And he is still young in his career. I mean, he yeah, doesn't have a ton of fights racked up in the UFC uh, and in his pro career. So this was definitely a big win, regardless of how exciting it was. But yeah, so this will get Simone known in the division, and hopefully, maybe he'll get another top fifteen guy next, or uh, someone in the top ten. I know Yaya said after the fight, he said no more unranked opponents, um, and I get that. He's uh, Yaya, you know, fought Ricky Simone, and Simone was not ranked, so. Yeah, I get, I get Yaya's frustration with that, and I totally understand why he doesn't want to fight any more ranked opponents, because really, it's just an opportunity for that unranked opponent to become ranked and make a name for themselves. Um, and really, Yaya doesn't need to be doing those fights. I mean, he's a vet, and honestly, he should be able to pick most of the fights he wants in the bantamweight division as it is. So, yeah, I think it's... Um Yeah, I think that's uh, a great path of trajectory for both guys. Um, I think the future of Simone in the uh, bantamweight division is pretty bright, um, especially coming off a win over Yaya. So we go to the, uh, I guess, co event. I don't know if they were technically calling this a co event, but Lando Venata versus Marcos Rosa Mariano. Um, This was originally going to be the headliner on the fight pass card, but we got this bumped up to the, I guess, co-main event after the fallout of Whitaker and Gastelum. So, so that was interesting, um, and it kind of follows suit with the with the, um, I guess, unorthodox uh, path that Venana has had in the UFC in recent years. Um, He was on a bit of a skid with some draws and losses, but this, but on Saturday night, I mean, he really stepped up and showed that he's a real threat in the lightweight division. He made quick work of Mariano. He won by submission in the first round, and he was not playing any games. I mean, he came there to win and he delivered. So, this could mean, you know, Venata is uh, another threat. In the already complicated lightweight division, but um, yeah, I mean, let's, let's throw another, let's throw another threat in there. The lightweight division has a lot of things to get worked out between uh, McGregor, uh, Ferguson, Khabib, Poirier. I mean, throw Nate in there. It's. The lightweight division has a lot of fights that need to happen to clear things up, but I mean, Venata, you know, showed a, with this quick win over Mariano that he is ready to, you know, start racking up some wins and make himself a real threat in the lightweight, lightweight division. Or at least we'll see. Um, he racks up a couple wins, and I mean, I mean, I, a couple of I don't see if he racks up a couple wins, I don't see how he won't be fighting a top five guy soon. Uh, but we'll really see. I mean, it just depends how it goes. But I think this win was important for him and his career. And now we go to the co for excuse me to the main event, which was once the co main event: Israel Adesanya versus Anderson the Spider Silva. This was uh, a fight I was very excited about. I believe Adesanya called for it. Um, I think he was uh, interested in fighting Silva. Silva hadn't fought in. T- two years yeah i believe let me just look that up real quick he i think he's been out for two years and um yeah his last fight was against Derek brunson in if i recall correctly yeah february 2017 so yeah this has been about two years for anderson silva um, I know he had got a flag I think he got flagged for a contaminated supplement uh, with a, some sort of a banned substance in it and they, they gave him a year uh, suspension for it so um he's back uh, he's 43 years old uh, he is still anderson silva and he stepped up against the young up-and-coming uh israel style bender adesanya this was a very interesting fight because it would let us know where's anderson silva at, at 43 years of age is he still a threat within the division um Yeah, I mean, it's scary. It's scary to watch some of your some of your favorite fighters from back in the day still fighting. I mean, after the Chuck Liddell fight, you know, it's it's scary to watch some of these vets fight when they get into their 40s because, uh, you know, you respect them and you respect what they want to do in terms of their career. And if they want to continue fighting, only they can decide that. But as a fan, it's hard to watch some of your favorite fighters, you know go down the um the exit path that is you know getting beat by the young lions and um yeah so i went into this fight super nervous um and side note, I know Chael was there for um, I guess he was covering the covering this event with ESPN and uh, Chael had tweeted something like um, he was uh, willing to f- step up and fight Anderson if Adesanya wanted to fight Gastelum. And so that way they can fill back out the main card. And he even said Scott Coker with Bellator was willing to let him do so. Uh, and I thought that was that was hilarious. I mean, he said chael's big thing you know anywhere anytime so that would have been hilarious if chael would have stepped in but obviously it wouldn't have it couldn't happen especially on that short of notice but um yeah so so this fight was um scheduled for three rounds even though it became the main event it was still stayed at three rounds adesanya said they talked about making it five but they didn't want to do it to anderson um, i don't know what anderson really wanted to do but i mean it makes sense i mean the guys prepped for three rounds and it was three rounds by the end of those three rounds, I wish it was five, honestly, because it was it was a very interesting fight, and I think given two more rounds, I think we could have got a more definitive answer uh, out of you know what was you know that fight. Uh, yeah, going in, I wasn't sure what to think. Um, I know Stylebender is a real threat in the um, middleweight division, and. Um, yeah, honestly, honestly, I was a bit concerned for Anderson Silva because against Derek Brunson, we didn't see a very dominant Silva, and um, now it's two years later, and we have no idea, you know, where he's at. And uh, yeah, I mean, Silva looked good, especially considering his age and um, what he once was. He, I mean, he was very competitive in this fight. It wasn't by any means uh, a one-sided fight. Um. really, it was a fun, striking, what seemed like a striking chess match. I know that's what a lot of people have been saying online. It was a chess match of striking, but really it was. I mean, it was a fun, striking chess match between um you know a young lion versus an older lion um and it was it was exciting i really i was excited about the fight i was you know super engaged i was holding my breath because i felt like at any moment somebody was going to get finished uh i know anderson had said back in the day he always you know who do you want to fight next and he would say you know i want to fight my clone and although people were saying adesanya was his clone i i think adesanya is his own uh entity especially considering anderson's you know a fighter with not just stand up but a ground game and adesanya is more of a specialist when it comes to kickboxing but um we did see a very similar um striking oriented fight um you know it was kind of like everything you can do i can do better uh type of situation where they were doing um you know beautiful kicks and anderson's like i guess it's called the um you know swatting the bees or something like that anderson um yeah he he looked good i i am torn on what i thought of um of the the side of Stylebender. Obviously, he looked good. He looked great, honestly. Um, And he's coming into the prime of his career. But did he go easy on Anderson Silva? Because he respected him so much. Obviously, Adesanya made it clear going into the fight that, you know, he respected Silva. Silva was one of his idols and someone he watched growing up. So did he, you know, um, stop, hold the punches, so to speak, you know, on a couple of the... uh, interactions you know in the exchanges between anderson silva or the other side of that it was silva's counter striking so good that adesanya couldn't go in for the kill a couple times i felt like adesanya probably could have went in and put on a little bit of a heavier pressure at the break of exchanges um but who knows who knows i i mean only the pros know Adesanya basically said, you know, he did the best he could, and Silva was trying to lure him into a lot of the traps that he had lured previous um, opponents into. So, um, yeah, I think Adesanya did the best he could, considering Anderson Silva was game. I mean, he stepped up and he was ready to, you know, win the fight if he could have. But yeah, honestly, it was it was a beautiful fight. I know there was a lot of criticism from fellow middleweights online i think it was weidman and a couple other guys kind of yeah i think bisping uh chimed into even though he's retired a lot of people criticized it for you know um not being as exciting as it could have been or you know failing to um you know pull for the finish stuff like that but um at the end of it i i personally feel like it was a very ex- it was a very exciting fight it was a fun fight um I didn't really want to see Anderson Silva get knocked out. I mean, he is a legend and I didn't want to see him go out like that. And, um, it was great. So, you know, it's a win for Israel Adesanya. I mean, Anderson Silva still looked good at 43 years of age. Adesanya moves up as a contender in the division, possibly fighting for the belt next. And, um, Yeah. Yeah. I think it was and it was beautiful at the end, the mutual show of respect when they kind of bowed to each other and, um, it felt like Silva was passing the torch on to Adesanya. So yeah, it was, it was a, it was a great fight. I wish we could have got more of it. It was if to me, it felt like it went too quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't say, I can't say enough, you know, um, I can't say much more about it than that. I mean, I really enjoyed it and I thought it was a, it was a great fight and, um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see how it plays out next because I really thought this was going to be Anderson Silva's retirement fight. I I saw that uh, Anderson had... Uh, he cried at the weigh-ins. I know he was overcome with emotion at the weigh-ins and he started crying. And Adesanya got choked up too, seeing Anderson get so emotional. Um, and I kind of felt like that was a sign that you know Silva was intending to retire, but Silva made it clear at the end that he was not going to retire and he wanted to fight in Brazil soon. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't know really what's next for for Anderson. Um, Connor had called out Anderson on Twitter, saying, you know, it would be an honor to fight him. And they had, Connor had already called out Anderson in the past, and Ander, that's a fight Anderson is interested in. And obviously, I mean, he would be interested in it because it's a uh, I mean, it's a it's a um, a money fight, and it would be an opportunity for Anderson to make a, another big payday before he retires. Um, but I I mean, I don't know if that fight makes a lot of sense. I mean, Anderson being a middleweight and Connor being, you know, at his best weight class, ideal weight class, a uh, uh, lightweight. I mean, I just. I don't, I don't know if the fight makes sense the only reason it would would be just for the pure fun of it um it's kind of like you know the floyd connor fight it, i'm not sure if there is yeah i, I mean I, no, not to say it's like that i mean that's kind of a whole nother thing in and of itself but um yeah i don't know anderson also said you know maybe how about i fight nick and then connor chimed in and said maybe I, like i'll fight nate so let's do you know silva nick connor nate in brazil um now that's a fight I'm super excited about but I think Nick went on social media and basically said you know he's not interested in fighting anytime soon he just wants to party and relax so yeah I don't know who knows what's next for Anderson but what we do know is this was not his retirement fight and he is going to you know fight another day and Adesanya uh, the future is pretty bright for him uh, in terms of you know the middleweight division and where he stands because he's clearly a top contender and possibly deserving of title shot we'll have to see how the Romero, um, Paulo Costa fight goes uh, because that's another number one contender fight in the division too. But the middleweight now is full of uh, contenders, you know, ready to fight for the belt. So I hope Robert Whitaker gets a speedy recovery and we can get another title fight happening soon. But that wraps up uh, UFC two thirty four. It was a it was an awesome fight. It, it was it was a it was a very entertaining fight night. Um, and I guess, you know, it was technically a pay-per-view. It felt like a fight night, um, but very, very, especially that Asanya silva fight, it was very interesting. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I can't, I, I can't forget about how heavy my heart was beating. I mean, I was so nervous during that main event because I thought, I was so nervous Silva was going to get finished because Adasanya had said, you know, the only, the best way I can respect Anderson Silva is to go in there you know, and to the only way I could truly respect him is to give him a hundred percent of my abilities. And that would be to, you know, go for the finish and try to knock him out. And I, and that's, that is uh, true fighter mentality. And, um, I felt like he did try to do it. I don't think, I know what concern was. Would he, would he accidentally get too much, um, too respectful and get into this way where, you know, he was afraid to really pull the trigger because he was just trying to be very respectful. Um, But I don't think so. I mean, I think he was going for the finish as much as he could. Uh, Anderson was just there and he was very game. I think for Adesanya next, maybe another top contender to really, you know, um, you know, I, I think one more top contender fight before he gets the title shot. So that way it gives Gastelum and Whitaker time to, you know, figure out who the true champ is of the middleweight division. And that will be that. Uh, Jacare would probably be a great fight. And I think that fight makes sense. Um, But I am not a UFC matchmaker. I'm not Sean Shelby. So, who knows? Um, But either way, I can't wait to see him fight again. Uh, He's one of my favorites. Okay, so on to fight news. So, that wraps up UFC 234. Um, And uh, I tried to break down the fights as much as I could. Sorry if I droned on about certain fights too much. But... um, yeah there was a lot to cover so fight news chris cyborg wants to fight five more years and she said she feels like she's getting pushed out in a way um i think she said something like i think i saw on espn she feels like she's getting pushed out as the ufc is looking to close the women's featherweight division um i know she's looking for a nunez rematch i don't know if nunez is interested in the rematch um and Nunez made it clear that she's not ready to retire yet. Uh, she, I think, she wants to fight Holly Holm, and that's the fight they're gonna make. I think if Nunez does beat Holly Holm, I mean, what better way to retire than that? You know, beat Holly Holm. You beat every legendary. Uh, I mean, most of the mo uh, of the most notorious female mixed martial artists of all time. You beat you beat Holly Holm. I mean, that's the that's the icing on the cake, and there's not really anyone else you could beat beyond that. Uh, but I understand Chris Cyborg's uh, side of this. I mean, obviously, a finish in the first round. Um, she it didn't seem like she really showed the respect to Nunez that Nunez uh, deserved. Probably, I don't know if she was showing Nunez's striking the respect it deserved and got caught. And anyone can get caught. I mean, it's the fight game. And um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think it's 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 cool that Cyborg is not ready to hang it up anytime soon. She says she's got five more year, years left in her. And um, yeah, so whether that's in the UFC or other. Otherwise, I guess that is um, to be decided. All right, Daniel D.C. Cormier. He said he's extending his retirement date past his 40th birthday, which if you remember is uh, I think sometime in March. Uh, His goal was back in 2018, all, all throughout the year, he continually said, you know, March 2018. 2019 my 40th birthday i'm done i'm not fighting in my 40s i don't want to be the old man that's still hanging around and uh i totally get in respect i mean dc is one of the greats and accomplished so much during his time you know as a fighter strike force ufc is a beast um, he said, you know, he's going to extend that retirement date so he can get a couple more fights in before he does retire. Uh, he said some of the injuries he's been dealing with was uh, his hand pretty much has healed up. That was an issue he had going into the Derek Lewis fight. Um, so he said, you know, other than arthritis in his hand, his hand's better and he's still dealing with a back issue. So once he feels, I guess, healthy enough to fight, um, He's gonna get back out there. I think I saw something like uh, the UFC was looking to get him fight in the looking to get him a fight in the first quarter of this year, but um, I think DC declined. Uh, he's looking for another fight, so whether that's gonna be John Jones, Brock Lesnar, Stevie Miocic, um, I'm excited to see DC fight again. Um, but yeah, so he is not in fact retiring, and he's gonna fight another day. Okay, Johnny Walker is filling in for OSP versus Misha. Um, Sirkinov in UFC two thirty five. Uh, that is the Jones um, Smith card. Uh, yeah, and if you remember, Johnny Walker just fought like a two weeks ago, a week or two ago, um, and he got a win in the first round. A TKO win, so yeah, he's looking to turn around quick and uh and um you know filling in for OSP. I mean that's big shoes to fit, and uh, it speaks to Johnny Walker's willingness to you know step up and uh, and really you know cr- climb the ranks. And um, you know if he if he pulls off this win, um, that's gonna be another um, you know further uh, accomplishment for the hype that is johnny walker i'm really excited about this guy uh i think he's super interesting yeah, i mean from his walkouts to his personality it's uh super interesting he's a very interesting guy an exciting fighter and i can't wait to see him fight at ufc 235 all right, on to this weekend. So I don't know when the last time was that we had this packed of a of an MMA filled weekend. So Bellator, we got Bellator 215 Friday night, we got Bellator 216 Saturday night, and then Sunday, we got UFC on ESPN Nganu versus Velasquez. Woo! man that's crazy um i'm I'm excited i mean each of these particular cards have some bouts that i'm really excited about so starting off on bellator 215 which is on friday night i think they're both these bellator events are in connecticut um yeah, at, I think they're at the same venue. So Friday and Saturday night. So if you are in Connecticut near that, near this venue, I mean you're in for a real treat. Especially if you can um, do like a, uh, a double header. You know, go to both these events. I mean that would be just pretty sick. But um, yeah, the the main bout To talk about on Bellator 215 is Matt Mitrion versus Sergey Karatanov. This is a uh, pretty exciting heavyweight bout. Um, if you remember, Matt Mitrion has been super dominant and won all of his fights in Bellator, you know, especially or most noted. One of his most notorious wins in Bellator was against Fader, F- excuse me, Fedor at UFC. I mean, excuse me, ah, <laughs> oh, messing this up. Uh, his last. His net last big win at Bellator was at Bellator 200, I believe. And that was in May 2018. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. I, th- I think that's right. When? W- no, that doesn't sound right. Uh, let me just look this up. Because if I get this wrong, um, I'll probably never hear the end of it. But... Yeah, needless, needless to say, I mean his his last fight was okay. So it was June 2017. So I was definitely wrong um, on that one, but. Uh, so June 2017 was a big win where, uh, you know, it was like the almost double knockout where Fedor and Mitrione clashed and um, they both fell down. But Mitrione got up quicker and finished Fedor. That was a uh, a pretty exciting fight, a fight that didn't last very long and a, um, you know, a, a credible win for Mitrione where, you know, he... he a win over Fedor, even an old Fedor, is an accomplishment. And um, that was probably his most notorious win since coming over to Bellator. Uh, he had a controversial win over Roy Nelson in the uh, first round of the heavyweight Grand Prix. He won a decision. I think it was a split decision, um, if I remember correctly. But it was a pretty close fight. Roy thought he won. Some people thought Roy won. But needless to say, he moved on to the uh, second round. Um I think it so is what the semifinals of the heavyweight Grand Prix where he fought Ryan Bader and um, yeah Bader put on a very dominant performance and it seemed like Mitrione didn't hit Bader, Bader throughout the entire fight and uh, yeah I mean Bader Bader's wrestling and um, Bader's wrestling was the key to victory in that fight against Mitrione but as we've seen I mean Bader just won the heavyweight Grand Prix, and he's no joke. So a loss to Ryan Bader is nothing to hang your head about. So Mitch Rion is looking to get back on the winning track against Sergei sergey sergey Karatanov, excuse me and I'm, I'm sorry if i'm mispronouncing the name but uh yeah for in Karatanov's right i mean he's a vet he just came off of a pretty brutal knockout of roy nelson where he, he knocked roy nelson out in last october so yeah i mean Karatanov is still very much active he's got a, an impressive resume and a fight between these two heavyweight vets is guaranteed to be fireworks um uh, i, mean, I, mean, I I, I think, uh, reasonably you can expect a first round finish. Um, it's hard to pick over either of these two. I think it's just about who connects first, but either way, this is going to be a really exciting fight. And, um, Matt Mitrione is a threat in the heavyweight division in Bellator. Karatanov is a threat in the heavyweight division in Bellator, and it is going to be an exciting fight and I can't wait to watch it. So, um, the Bellator 216 fight card, which is Saturday night, Saturday night, so that fight, so Mitrion versus Karatanov is Friday night. So Saturday night, we got Bellator 216, and I feel like this card is built out a little more fully. Um, Bellator has this thing, I guess, when they want to, have, um, they, they've done this in the past where they do a Bellator Friday night and a Bellator Saturday night event. And normally the Saturday night event has a bit more um, texture to the, the Saturday night card. And this follows suit with that. So I'm going to talk about the top three car, the top three bouts on the Bellator 216 card, especially the three that I'm super excited about. Um, man, Bellator with the heavyweight fighters, especially the heavyweight vets. Um, I mean, they got, like, got a lot of the biggest names. Um, so the first uh, of the three main bouts on uh, Bellator 216 is Mirko Krokop versus Roy Nelson. So Krokop has been on a bit of a retirement tour. Uh, he has retired and came out of retirement. Retirement a couple different times, but uh, he has been. I think his last couple fights were in Ryzen where he's just been on a tear. Um, He's calling it his retirement tour. Uh, He hasn't lost in a couple years. Um, And yeah, yeah, but uh, one of his last fights in the UFC was against Roy Nelson where um, Roy knocked out Krokop by TKO in the third round at UFC 137 in October 2011. But um, yeah, it was something crazy. It's something crazy, like since 2014 or, or something to that effect. Last couple of years, regardless. Krokop has been on its air, I mean, winning and finishing most of his opponents. So uh, maybe this is it. You know, he finishes Nelson and that is the end of the retirement tour. But either way, this fight was supposed to happen in May 2018 at Bellator 200, uh, but it was scrapped the week of because Krokop uh, got injured. So I don't think Roy ended up fighting at Bellator 200 and he waited and. Um, but yeah, yeah, so this fight was going to happen last year. And Now we're getting it now in uh, February, you know, 2019. And uh, I don't know if this is going to be the end of Krokop's retirement tour or, you know, one of the last stops. But yeah, Krokop is 44, I believe. So he's probably he's looking to wind down his career. Uh, Roy Nelson had just um, got knocked out by Karatanov in. When did I say that was? Um he knocked out Roy last October. So I think that was the last fight Roy. <sighs> yeah, so that was Roy's last fight. So Roy had just is coming off of two losses against Mitrion and then a loss against Karatanov. Um, so he's looking to get on the winning track against uh, Krokop. So. Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a great fight. This is a chance for Krokop to get a win back against Roy. You know, Nelson. You know, not, knocked Krokop out in 2011, and this is a chance for Krokop to not only put another um, possibly possibly a finale or another uh, of the of the fin another part of the finale of his retirement tour so it's crow cops ch- chance to redeem himself against nelson it's nelson's chance to get back on the winning track either way uh i'm super excited for this fight um crow cop has always been a favorite of mine and i think he's a beast uh, roy you know he's a an, an amazing knockout artist and i think this fight is going to be a lot of fun especially for the fans so uh, regardless of the outcome, um, I think these two guys are great and I can't wait to see them fight. So, next we got Czech Congo versus Vitaly Minikov. Uh, and I'm sorry if I'm, I'm saying Minikov wrong, but if you remember, um, these two guys fought uh, in Bellator uh, previously, uh, where Minakov beat Congo. Uh, and I think this was Minatov's last fight in Bellator. So, this happened in. 2014. So Minnikov beat Czech Congo by decision at Bellator 115 in April 2014. This was Minnikov defending the Bellator heavyweight belt. He had won the heavyweight belt, and then this was his first defense against Czech Congo where he won by decision. And um, that was the last time Minnikov had fought in Bellator. So this was, that was April 2014, and then Minnikov went on to fight in another organization in the last couple of years. Finally, Bellator, I guess, due to uh, Minnikov's uh, inactivity since he didn't come back to Bellator, and the last time he fought was 2014. In 2016, um, Scott Coker and Bellator made the decision to strip Minnikov because if he wasn't going to defend the belt, the belt had to you know, move on. The division had to stay active, and it certainly can't be inactive for or the championship of the division can't be inactive for two years. So uh, I think Minnikov is a a good part of the reason why the heavyweight Grand Prix even came to be because they needed to establish this new champion. So yes, so the belt was stripped in 2016. He won, so Minnikov won the belt 2014, didn't defend it for, didn't defend it again after that. He was stripped in 2016 and now we got Ryan Bader as the new heavyweight champ. So yeah, so this is a rematch of Czech Congo. So this is a chance for Czech Congo to get a win over Minakov. Minakov is, I think, undefeated, right? So uh, although his resume isn't full of a lot of vets like Czech Congo... He is a very great uh, heavyweight fighter, and with a, re- a relatively proven record. I mean, him being being undefeated in any professional mixed martial arts record is an accomplishment in and of itself. And the fact he's beat Chet Congo in the past is an accomplishment. Um, but has how much, what caliber of opponents has he been fighting in uh, this other organization? I think he fought Bigfoot Silva. If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, last year. And obviously, you know, Bigfoot Silva has, you know, left the UFC and he was kind of on a losing streak and he continued the losing streak outside of the UFC. Maybe picked up a couple wins, but uh, uh, fighting... Um, Bigfoot Silva isn't quite the same as fighting Czech Congo at this point. Maybe, maybe ten years ago, it would we that's a different story, but um I think the caliber, but um I don't know if the Bigfoot Silva of today compares to the Czech Congo of today. So I think we're gonna see Minakov come back to Bellator with a step up in um in, in challenge, in terms of the, the roster, the heavyweight division of Bellator is pretty stacked. And I think uh, Chuck Congo is a great challenge for Minakov, especially considering the fact that Congo, after a string of um, somewhat not super exciting fights, uh, which, so basically, he's coming off a string of decisions over the last three, uh, over the last couple of years. But so even though he had been winning, winning most of his fights, the criticism of Congo has been during his time in Bellator, he hasn't really got those big, exciting wins. But all of that changed in the last couple fights for him because he's coming off of two knockout wins. Congo is showing, you know, hey, I'm a still threat in the heavyweight division. I'm still here. I'm, you know, I can still knock guys out and I'm no joke. So, I mean, Kongo is looking more exciting than uh, he has in recent years. And um, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see how this fight goes because the last fight, um, yeah with minikov getting the win but congo looking better than ever i think this is a great opportunity for Czech congo to get this win back against minikov give minikov his first loss and for minikov it's his chance to say hey listen you know i might have been fighting in another organization but i'm still the bellator heavyweight champ you may have stripped me but i'm still the the guy here at the heavyweight division so um yeah this is a chance for both guys to really prove their worth i mean minikov's gonna be looking to keep his record clean with um you know being undefeated check congo is probably looking to continue his knockout streak to maybe three knockout wins either way i think we have a really exciting fight on our hands um and with the history between these two guys minikov coming back to bellator check congo you know looking really great this is going to be a good fight at least i hope it will be um and I think this could be uh, a finish, too. So the Cro-Cop the fight's probably, the cro nelson fight's probably going to be a finish. The Congo-Minikop fight's probably going to be a finish. The mitrion Karatana fight's probably going to be a finish. No promises, though. I mean, you know how the heavyweight division is. Uh, um, sometimes it's super exciting and sometimes it is not as exciting. Um, but yeah, I think these are set up to be very exciting fights. And the main event of Bellator 216 is Michael Venom Page versus Paul Daly. Paul Daly is a vet, I mean, he has a very extensive mixed martial arts record. He has, you know, fought in the UFC, he's been fighting in Bellator for some time now, and um. Yeah, this is really Michael Venom Page's first true test. People have criticized Page as, um, you know, having a bit of a padded record. And although he's a very talented mixed martial artist, people have uh, said, you know, he's a bit unproven. What wins has he really uh, had that are super notorious? And this is his shot. I mean, if he gets a knockout win over Paul Daly, um, I mean, that would be an amazing accomplishment. And I think that would really be another... uh, Would be his marquee win. And that would be a win that would push him into, you know, super credible um, uh, stardom. I think they're fighting at 170 pounds, right? Let me just double check that. I think they're fighting at welterweight. But... um, yeah but i'm really excited about this fight there's obviously bad blood between these two guys um they had bellator had a bellator 216 pre-fight press conference a week or two ago and the two guys just talked trash back and forth where um yeah i mean they were hurling insults and it's kind of hilarious if you guys haven't seen it you should watch it because scott coker couldn't have looked more um uh, more uncomfortable. He clearly didn't want the guys to be (laughs) to be arguing. Uh and he didn't like the trash talk, uh, which is very UFC esque in terms of, you know, trying to sell the fight. And um it was hilarious. I mean these two guys clearly don't like each other. Um this is a chance for Paul Daly to say, you know what, I'm still a vet and I have lost a couple times here in Bellator. But listen, I'm not done. You know, I'm not washed up. I am here to continue to show that I'm a dominant force at welterweight. And um yeah. And this is a chance for Michael Venom page to, you know, say, you know, you, you say that my records padded. You say that I haven't got that big win and I haven't fought anyone who's super credible. But if but a win over uh, Paul Daly would be would be a pretty big accomplishment for him, especially at this point in his career. Um, so yeah i'm excited about for this fight i think it's a a great main event for bellator 216 i think bellator bellator 216 is a really great card um and it's comparable to you know a great ufc card and i think uh all of these fights are going to be fireworks between friday night and saturday night and i really can't wait to see how this card plays out so that's bellator um i don't have a ton of predictions for you guys i don't know if i'm i want to do predictions yet for fight cards um Maybe you guys can let me know if you if you want me to do predictions. The thing about predictions is, uh, you know, when you're wrong, you kind of look silly, but that's fine. I mean, that's, that's the whole point of predictions and anything can happen because it is the fight game. But, yeah, that's Bellator 215-216. I cannot wait. So, not only do we have good fights on friday not only do we have good fights on saturday we have good fights on sunday i mean this is this is incredible i mean having fights friday saturday sunday it, it doesn't get much better than this and um the UFC Sunday card is no joke either, and it holds up well to the, to the Bellator cards. Um, it's Ngannou versus Velasquez. Velasquez is looking to come back after um, you know his last fight at UFC 200 in July 2016. So he's been off for you know two and a half years. He's looking to come back and show you know what I'm. You know I've been injured. I have have had surgeries, but I'm still a dominant heavyweight. I'm still here to win. I'm still I still really take this seriously, um, and show that he is as some say the greatest heavyweight of all time um and Ngannou he has had uh, an interesting um you know l- like the last couple fights in the UFC but um yeah it's gonna be a great fight I'm looking forward to it but before Ngannou versus Velasquez I want to break down uh two of the car two of the bouts on the card that are um you know coming up to Ngano versus Kane so Alex Caceres versus Crone Gracie this is an interesting fight for me because I think anytime a Gracie fights uh, it's always exciting to see how they're um, I mean there's so much history there with um Gracie winning the first UFC and a couple UFCs after that, and showing you know, uh, jujitsu is uh, such a dominant fighting style. And um, the Gracies are a legendary uh, fighting family. They, uh, yeah, they're they I mean they're truly specialists in the realm of jujitsu. And Crone. Uh, uh, with his dad being Hickson Gracie, um, you know he comes from, uh, you know his dad was very a very talented jiu-jitsu practitioner in his own right, and you know growing up in a family like that, there's no and there's no doubt he is a talent. That Crone Gracie is also uh, a very talented um, black belt in in jitsu So this is going to be an exciting fight for. Um, a Gracie to you know show show his craft in the UFC in the modern day and Alex Caceres he has won and lost it felt like he has won as much as he's lost in recent years he wins one he loses one but this is a good opportunity for him to show that he's a threat at featherweight and that you know he may have been on a winning and losing track you know winning some losing some a winner, an up-and-comer with a name like Crone Gracie you know if you beat if you beat a Gracie um Especially one like Crone, you know, there's some hype around him. and That's a great opportunity for Alex Caceres to, you know, make his name, you know, a, another rising, uh, uh, make his name, you know, more profound and declared in the featherweight division. But um, back to Crone, uh, he fought in Ryzen and won all of his fights there. His, I think he fought three fights there. He won all of his fights in Ryzen by choke. His record's 4-0. Um, so he's obviously uh, young in his... MMA career, I believe, Krohn is about thirty years of age. Um, yeah, so he is looking to you know enter the 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 big leagues, coming to the UFC, and show that you know his his talents in jujitsu and as a fighter are worthy of the UFC, and he you know, wants to show off his talents and make his, his, uh, family proud. And, um, yeah, the Gracie's have so much history with the UFC. And I think Crone uh, coming in and fighting on Saturday, Sunday night, excuse me, it's going to be, uh, you know, very, very exciting. And, um, Nate Diaz said he's going to be in Crone's corner, um, for his UFC debut. So this is going to be a really interesting fight. It's going to, it's going to be, you know, what answer does Alex Caceres have for Crone Gracie's, um, you know submission attempts you know his ground game can he stop the takedown does he want to engage in the ground game and it's going to be an opportunity for current gracie to um you know see where his striking's at can he compete with a a fighter like casaris who you know has pretty talented striking abilities can he you know uh hold his own um if it doesn't go to the ground what can he you know w- what answer does he have for that so yeah with a record like 4-0 he has um there's not a lot to go on in terms of uh, what what he's going to be bringing to uh, to the fight. Um, so it could be a really one-sided fight from one guy or the other, but we just don't know. And I think that's the exciting part about someone like Kroen Gracie coming in the UFC because we don't... And he hasn't fought in two years. His last fight was in Ryzen in 2016. So... In the last two years, what has he been up to? Has he been continuing to hone his craft in MMA? Is he looking to make a career out of MMA or maybe a one-off in the UFC? Uh, There's a lot of questions to be answered on Sunday night, and I can't wait to see this bout between these two guys. And uh, so the next fight is James Vick versus Paul Felder. Um, Two guys that are coming off of uh, losses, and they're both obviously looking to get back on the winning track. Felder, in his own right, stepped up. Uh, to welterweight to fight Mike Perry last summer at UFC 226 Miocic, Miocic versus Cormier. Uh, so obviously Felder fights at 155 pounds lightweight, but he stepped up. Uh, I guess Mike Perry's opponent fell through, and he stepped up to fight at welterweight against Mike Perry. And what we got was a fan a fan favorite type of fight. Um, it was a bloody mess. Uh, Felder, you know, got, got. I mean, I mean, it was it was a very competitive fight. Perry came out with the decision win, but I don't think anyone really lost that fight. It was, um, yeah, I mean, Felder gets props for coming up to uh, welterweight and fighting Perry, and Perry got the win. Uh, But yeah, it showed Felder unit. Felder is a a really well-rounded fighter, and he's a threat regardless of what weight class he's in. Um, so this is Felder's opportunity to get back down to lightweight. This is opportunity to say, you know, uh, within the mess that is the lightweight division, I'm a guy here too, and I'm here to, you know, take my claim for the belt. Um, remember, Felder was supposed to fight Iaquinta on the card where Khabib was going to be fighting Ferguson, um, that New York card where the Conor McGregor stuff had went down, and um, and then when Ferguson had fallen out, and then Holloway was supposed to fight Khabib, and then Holloway wasn't able to make the cut, and the uh, the doctor said, you know, Holloway, you got to stop the cut. You can't fight. Khabib was looking for an opponent last minute, and it was going to be Quinta or Felder. Uh, they didn't want Felder, or I guess Anthony Pettis was in the talks too, but they didn't want Felder to fight because he wasn't ranked high enough, or he was unranked. And Quinta ended up getting the chance to fight Khabib and compete for the belt. I I know Felder was really upset about that and so this is his chance to you know stake his claim in the lightweight division say you know I was worthy of a shot that night and I'm worthy of a shot today and um, get back on the winning track. James Vick on the other hand uh, lost he had a ton of momentum going into his fight against Justin Gaethje last August, but he was TKO'd in the first round. And um, I think that fight was really interesting because Justin Gaethje showed, you know, that he, although is, is able to do really exciting fights in in the UFC, um, he can win too. Because a lot of the one of the issues with with Gaethje was he was putting on super exciting fights, but he was, um, you know, coming out with losses at the end of them. So this this was uh, Gaethje's opportunity to show his, you know, show that you know he is UFC caliber and he's not just capable of being a fan favorite. He's capable of also winning, and uh, he did just that against James Vick. He knocked him out pretty brutally in the first round. Um, it was a pretty gnarly knockout, and. Um, yeah, yeah. It was interesting going into that because James Vic was talking a lot of trash to Gaethje and it became really personal. And I don't know if that, that talking trash was Vic trying to sell the fight. It seemed kind of uncharacteristic of him. Obviously, I could be wrong because, uh, you know, I mean, Vic maybe he he does want to be a trash talker and that's him. But it did feel kind of like that wasn't who he really was. Maybe he was just trying to sell the fight. But either way, there is nothing that will humble you more than getting TKO'd in the first round. So, Vic's probably looking to get back on the winning track, you know, start back up the momentum that he had had in the uh, the fights prior to that Gaethje fight uh, for for Felder and for Vic. I mean, this is a great fight for both of them, and um, it's an opportunity for a major prospect to rise in the complicated lightweight division. And now we got the main event, and this fight I'm really excited for, and I think it has a lot of. Um, it has the makings to be a very exciting classic fight. And there's so many questions up in the air. Where is Francis Ngannou's cardio? Where is his ground game? Is he, uh, you know, ready to go out of the first round? I mean, he made quick work of Curtis Blades last November where he got a first round TKO win and um, But prior to that, I mean, prior to that first round win, Francis didn't look super great in 2018. He lost a very one-sided battle against Miocic in um, that heavyweight bout last January. He fought Lewis to what was a relatively boring fight uh, where Lewis pulled out the win at the end, but there was... Uh, I guess a record of the least amount of punches in a heavyweight fight against him, his fight between Lewis and Ngannou. It seemed like Ngannou in that, in that fight had lost some of his confidence and he was, you know, seemed to be not ready to pull the trigger in a lot of the exchanges with Lewis. And then he came back against Curtis Blades and he got himself back on the winning track. He knocked Blades out in the first round, but that win was impressive. But where is Ngannou at outside of the first round? What what do we expect to see? It, has he continued to, you know, craft his mixed martial arts game, or is he a knockout artist who is really just a first round type of fighter? And we've seen plenty of heavyweights like that in the past. But um, this is a great opportunity for Francis to, you know, get a win over possibly the greatest heavyweight of all time. If Francis were to beat Kane, I mean, that could be another title shot for him. Uh, Igano versus uh, DC would be a a very exciting fight. But... This is not going to be easy for Ngannou because we're talking about Cain Velasquez. We're talking about one of the best, if not the best heavyweight fighters of all time, especially when it comes to the UFC. I know you want to I know we can put Fedor into that conversation, uh, Stipe into that conversation. But Velasquez is a in his time was absolutely a beast and unstoppable. His last fight was in 2016 at UFC 200 against Travis Brown, where he, uh, I believe, won the fight by TKO. Um, and it was a very impressive. I think it was the second round. Um, don't quote me on that, but it was a it was a very it was a very impressive win, especially because part of that Velasquez had been on a break, so he came back in 2016. You know, showed he's still there, he's still a threat. But then I, I think injury injury strikes again, and now it's been. Two two and a half years, and two and a half years since we've seen Kane in the cage, and um, where is he at? I mean, that's the big question: Is he still anywhere near what he once was in his prime? Is he the Kane of old, or is he a uh, is he is he seventy five percent of what he once was? Is he twenty five percent of what twenty five percent of what he once was? Um, I would love to see the Kane of old show up. Um, I think it's important to keep realistic expectations because um, all fighters. All fighters age, and um, there is an expiration date on this sport um, for any for any person. So, um, where is Kane at? If the Kane, uh, if, any, if any similarity of the Kane of old shows up to this fight against Nganu, I think um, it's going to be a pretty one sided fight. If Kane, wants, if Kane employs his wrestling against Nganu, takes him down, and does, does vicious ground and pound, goes for the finish, I think that is how this fight goes. But if Kane shows up and he is not similar to the Kane that we know, Um, and Ngannou goes for the finish, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. And there's a lot of questions to be answered in this fight. You know, what happens if this fight goes outside of the first round? What answer does Ngannou have for Kane? How does Kane look after being out for so long? Um, I mean, Ngannou is a big name in the heavyweight division. Kane uh, was a big name in the heavyweight division. Uh, A win from either of these guys is going to skyrocket them into title contention. So... This is going to be interesting. DC had said that Kane is uh, looking great and that he will become the heavyweight champion again. Uh, obviously, DC would never fight Kane, but, you know, he basically is saying, you know, Kane will get the belt again. And, um, you know, that that's saying something coming from DC. I know they come out of AKA, they come out of the same camp. But, um yeah, Kane in his day was a great mixed martial artist and, um Yeah, whatever happens in this fight, I think it's going to be exciting. Uh, Kane always shows up. He always shows up to bring it. So no matter what, I think we're going to have an exciting fight on our hands. And regardless, it's going to be something interesting to talk about. Especially, um, can you imagine if Kane comes back and he finishes Francis in the first round and we get like a Kane-Lesnar rematch or we get like Kane-Stipe? Kane-Stipe fight would be would be uh i mean so awesome but uh yeah he's got to get past francis and um i mean that's a tough task and francis i mean francis has got to get back past kane if he i mean if he shuts down kane um we can be talking uh, you know title another title fight uh we'll see but um but yeah this is a amazing weekend of fights and i can't wait to talk about them next week i mean there's so much to cover and i know this was a long podcast but there was so much we had to break down from bellator 215 friday night bellator 216 saturday night ufc on espn and ganu versus velasquez on sunday night there are so many great fights ahead and um yeah, I, and I was—I'm so grateful that you guys gave me the opportunity to talk about it. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, what do you guys think of uh, my commentary of the fights? Are you guys excited about the fights? I—I um, uh, I for one am going to probably this is going to be an MMA weekend. I know it's Valentine's Day weekend, but um, yeah, I really want to make sure I catch all of these fights. So um, yeah, thank you guys for watching uh, or for excuse me for listening to um, this MMA show of Taking Inspiration, I hope you enjoyed it, and um, I'll catch you probably next week as I will uh, recap all of the fights that I just prefaced, um, that I just broke down, and then we'll break down the fight cards in the future, but um, that is all I have for you guys, thank you so much for listening, Uh, this is Taking Inspiration with Dakota Findlay, and I will catch you in the next one.